This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as someone who hoped to visit Everest Base Camp until they told me I couldn't drive there, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Jason Freed, the founder and CEO of Base Camp. The company's products include the project management app, Basecamp, which is super popular, an online chat service for uh, coworkers, one of the first out in the chat service is called Campfire. He's also the co-author of several books. Most recently, It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work. Jason, welcome to Recode Decode. Thanks for having me on. Just so you know, you're known to be a very funny guy, so you better, oh, keep, gosh. You better keep up <laughs> with me here. So let's talk a little bit about Basecamp and how you got to do Basecamp, because Basecamp was one of the first... There's been a lot of these, and there's all kinds of different things, but you guys were one of the first to think about different workflow way before Slack, way before anybody else. Yeah, um, way before, yeah, 2004. All of it. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I remember yeah, when you debuted. Yeah, way back 20 years um, almost. Talk a little bit about your background and how you got to Basecamp, because you did a bunch of other things before. Sure. That. Well, before Basecamp, I was freelancing doing website design. Right. And then we Which built a lot a f- of early internet peoples were doing. That's so where we started, basically. Right? Oh, I'm the- <laughs> yeah, 96. It, got, it was in college- the internet was starting to hit, so I yeah. started doing that stuff mm-hmm. and, and learned how to do that. And um, built a small business, but mostly just myself. And I kind of got bored working for myself, so I worked with a few other people. And we started getting really busy doing client work. And we needed a better way to manage the work because we are using email, phone calls, in-person meetings, and it was a mess. Mm-hmm. So we started to look around at project management tools, and they were all really complicated. Right. They were a mess, hard to use. Remember the physical books? What was that thing called? We ripped off pieces. Oh, gosh. And remember those? I do. There's all, but at the time, it was Microsoft Project was the big thing. It was yeah. just like, these were solving different problems than we had. I didn't even recognize these problems. And so we built our own tool to use internally. And our clients were saying, like, what is this thing you're using? We said, well, it's just this thing we made. I don't know. It's just this thing. They're like, well, we have projects, and we can't figure out how to make them work either. Can we use your thing? We said, no, it's not really a thing. It's just our thing. Enough people asked us about it that we decided to build it and turn it into a product. So mm-hmm. we did that in 2004 and, and put prices what, on it. With, with the concepts around what Basecamp, base yeah. Yeah, so every team needs a series of tools to work together. They need a way to make announcements to one another, and they need a way to do real-time conversation and also slow-time, like mm-hmm. asynchronous-style conversation. You need to keep track of what needs to get done, who's responsible for doing it, when things are due, documents, notes, that kind of stuff. And today, a lot of companies piece together five or six or seven different apps to make this work. 
Basecamp is one single app that does all these things in one place. Mm-hmm. And so um, while a lot of tech people love to piece shit together, mm-hmm. uh, most small businesses do not. Mm-hmm. They don't have time to shop for this stuff. So they want one place to go, and that's what Basecamp is. It's all these tools in one place that work together. All right. So you, you started in 2004, which was well before a lot of them. There's been like a million since Now then. there have been. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What has changed in the way people work, in that way, of people willing to do it that way? Yeah, well, I mean, Trello, when we, I'm just trying to think. There's Slack. There's, they're all different Different takes on it. Yeah. Right, yeah. Everyone's got a different take, which is right. great. It's um, the one that the Facebook guy did. Oh, uh, Asana? Asana. Yeah, you've got all these. There's, there's, I mean, literally crack. probably a hundred of them. Right. <laughs> um, so I like the name Basecamp. I'm sorry. It was it's like, a simple one. I get right. it. Right, right, exactly. Don't we all come together. at me at work. Totally. Work is not meditative it's to not. most people. It's not. Um, well, you know, in 2004... The big challenge actually then was like, can I put my data online and even think it's safe? Like people were afraid to bank online back in 2004. So we had different challenges back then. But fundamentally, it was like, you know, who owns the data? Where is the data? Can I get to it whenever I want? That kind of stuff. Those were the challenges back then. But what's changed is um, the the advent of real-time communication in workplaces. So things like Slack and chat tools, which I think are terrible ideas in general. I want to hear why. Yeah, I'll tell you why. And we actually used to to build one. Um, We we made one called Campfire, and it's still in Basecamp. But as a primary method of communication, real-time communication is a bad idea in most workplaces, most of the time. Because people do other things, like talk about Game of Thrones. (laughs) That's okay. I'm okay with that, actually, occasionally. What I'm not okay with is being interrupted constantly. People cannot get their work done at work anymore because they're being constantly interrupted by all these real-time tools. Right. And it's busted. This is not progress. This is a regression. Okay. And so um, Basecamp is more focused on asynchronous communication, which is more like email style, slower, longer form, not one line at a time. But I'd say lately one line at a time has become popular. I think it's going to turn around, though. Okay. All right. So you've evolved the project management app to do basically the same things, which is to a, a format of doing project management together. Yeah. It's pro- right. So... You know, communication, scheduling, tasks, files, all that stuff in one place. It's kind of like if you think about, you know, you want to, a company needs a central source of truth, mm-hmm. one place where they can go to know that everything that they need to know is there and it's the final version. And that's what Basecamp's really mm-hmm. for. Yeah. So, one of the things you did in creating this company, how many people do you have there? Now? 55. And we were where? We're intentionally small. Yeah. Uh, mostly Chicago. Actually, not mostly. We're mostly remote. We have 15 people in Chicago and then the rest in about 30 different cities around the world. You and WordPress. Um, yeah, WordPress is 100%. But yeah, we, we've right. always been remote since the fourth employee. Right. This is interesting. You use the word intentionally small. I just recently heard oh, the word I hate intentional. Companies. Right, yeah. yeah. I, intentional, I just interviewed Emily Weiss from Glossier last night, and she's like, we're doing intentional growth. And I was like, uh, what? And she goes, it means staying small when I feel like it. Until, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, sure. It was, I'm not going to grow just because they want me to grow. It was really interesting. Well, who's they? That's the problem. The VCs. That's the, the problem. The well, there's people. the problem right yeah, there. Right. You can't We're stay gonna small. We're going to get to VCs. I promise right, I'm going to give you an entire— off. You hold off on the VC <laughs> rant because I am here and down for, for you. Me. I'm just not going to say anything and I'll just let you go on. <laughs> but let's talk about your company. So you created this company, and yeah. what it's where the book came out of. Yeah, we've right. done a few books. Rework right. is our probably our most popular book. Mm-hmm. Oh, we launched that in 2010, so it's been mm-hmm. a while. Then Remote, we did a book on remote working, and then It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work. All so right. my co-founder and I, we write the books together. Right. And every, talk about them. Yeah, every five years we write a book, basically. Um, and it's about our point of view on the industry, on work. It's basically, we think of it as, I've always been inspired by chefs. Mm-hmm. So chefs uh, write cookbooks, and they share their recipes, basically. They're not afraid of somebody buying that book and then opening up a restaurant next to theirs and putting them out of business. 
A lot of businesses, though, however, are typically they hold things close to their chest. They think that everything's proprietary and important, and it's not. Mm-hmm. So we just share. So basically, our books are our recipes on how we do work and how we think about work and how we think about growing a company and marketing and not taking money and, uh, and working remotely and working calmly and doing 40-hour weeks and eight-hour days and thinking that's enough versus going crazy. So mm-hmm. um, these are just our thoughts. And every five years, we have enough thoughts to put into a book. Okay, so talk about the, how they've shifted from one to the next, from the first the books? one. Yeah. yeah, so Rework, the first book was basically about— um, This was what year? 2010. Mm-hmm. It was basically our point of view on building a small business. So that was more about building the business, staying small. Here's why we stay small. Here's why we didn't take money. Here's how we market. Here's how we promote the products. Here's how we promote ourselves, that sort of thing. Remote was all about um, how to work remotely. So how, people are like, how do you do this? So he, here's how we do it. Here's the, you know, the 80 different essays on how to work remotely, how to build teams, how to do marketing remotely, how to build culture remotely, how to hire remotely, how to work with people remotely when you can't see them, that kind of stuff. And then It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work, which just came out in October, is all about pushing back really hard on the current trends in work, mm-hmm. which is, um, I should say, which are, uh, everyone's like, I'm super busy. It's crazy at work. Um, I'm working the weekends. I'm working at night. I have no time to work during the day, so I have to work whenever else I can. My schedule is packed. My inbox is blowing up. Chat's blowing up. I'm paying attention to a million different things at once. Like I think that's all completely broken and completely unnecessary. So mm-hmm. the book is all about why we want to push back hard against it's crazy at work and think that you should instead build a calm company, one that works steadily, carefully, thoughtfully. 40 hours is plenty of time. If you can't get done in 40 hours, cut stuff back. Don't add more time. Have small teams of three or fewer people. Like all of our points of view on really keeping things calm, small, and 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 frankly, easy versus making it hard on ourselves. I think a lot of companies make things too hard on themselves. All right, well, let's unpack that then. Let's yeah. talk about some of the themes that you talked about in the book itself. Sure. The first thing I'll start with is, is protecting your time and attention. Mm-hmm. So, um, I give a talk, this TED talk a number of years ago called Why You Can't Get Work Done at Work Anymore, mm-hmm. basically. And the whole premise was that we work all day, we're at work all day, but we're in meetings all day and we're, 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 our yes. time is scattered, right? Yeah. We have 15-minute blocks of time. You can't get really good, thoughtful, creative work done in 15-minute blocks of time. So you might be at work for eight hours, but you have maybe like, if you're lucky, 17 minutes to yourself in a given day. Right. And so then you have to work the weekends, you have to work at night. That's why you get work done on planes because no one's bothering you and whatever. And so for us, the most important thing for me as the business owner is to make sure I'm protecting my employees' time and attention. If they can't have a full eight-hour day to themselves, I'm making a mistake. Like, I'm not doing my job. So for me, the goal is to make sure that we have full eight-hour days to each person so they can control their day themselves. So we have no corporate meetings, no company-wide meetings at all. We don't have any meetings. We don't share schedules. We can't see each other's calendar. We can't do any of the things that makes it easy to take other people's time from them. Right. So in the book, we talk about— Time thief. Everyone's a time thief. Time thief. We talk about this in the book. We call it calendar Tetris. (laughs) You look at someone's calendar. I won't let anyone in my calendar. Yeah. You look at someone's calendar, some blocks of color everywhere, and you're trying to, like, fit some slots Mm -hmm. in, right? So— that's a problem. The fact that you can see someone else's calendar is a problem. It should be hard to get someone's time. Modern technology has made it too easy to get on someone's schedule and to claim, and to actually not even claim, to steal time from them. If I want to block an hour of your time, if we, you and I work together, I could go look at your calendar, invite you. You're probably going to say yes because most people don't say no. Mm-hmm. And then before you know it, your day is not yours anymore. It's mm-hmm. someone else's. That's a problem. You cannot be expected to do great work if you don't even own your own time. So for me... Owning time is owning my own time and owning, making sure my employees own their own time is very important. No meetings, no calendar, 
Expectations, huge. So before I yeah. finish that, um, when you don't have that, there are some things you do need to talk about. Sure. So if I need to talk to someone, I have to ask them. Ask them for time. Yeah. Which is what people do. Oh, don't grab it. Oh, don't grab me. Yeah, yeah. Different. So it's like, right. hey, hey, Kara, um, are you free at 3 o'clock Thursday to talk about something? And you can, we can have a conversation about that. And then, you, then you're in control of your own time. You can go, you know what? Um, how about Friday at 1 or something like that? Versus me looking at a grid of your time mm-hmm. and then just taking it without any humanity involved, right. without any yeah. conversation involved. Yeah. It's funny because companies, you know, they always talk about time as money. They don't leave money out on the table, though. <laughs> but they leave time out on the table. You can take anyone's time you want. You cannot take a penny, though. And they have, they have comptrollers and CFOs, and everyone's watching the money. No one's watching the time. So, you know, that's what happens is people's time is taken from them because no one's watching it. No one cares about it. And so it's direct calling or texting or whatever. Yeah, you, you, would, you, you could ping someone. You could, you could email them. You can go through Basecamp. You could talk, whatever it is. However you want to get in touch with someone, you ask yeah. for someone's time. It's, yeah. Someone's time is valuable. Like, of course you should ask for it. Mm-hmm. And you should respect that someone else's time is valuable. And they're probably doing their own thing. So you better be polite when you ask, you know, right. and make your case, not just claim a block. Right. So that's how that works. All right. Yeah. Next. So, but most of the time, though, still, we don't talk directly to one another in real time. Most of the time it's asynchronous. So I'll post a message in Basecamp and someone will get back to me when they're ready. So this comes back to this idea of the expectation of immediate response. In a lot of companies today, there's an expectation of an immediate response that's broken as well. If I write something to someone and they get back to me four hours later, that's cool. I'm fine with that. They get back to me tomorrow morning. I'm fine with that. Unless it's an emergency when it should never happen anyway. People get back to me when they're ready. I'll get back to them when I'm ready. That's the understanding we have at Basecamp. And that's a cultural thing, and it's really important. A lot of things in many companies are elevated to ASAP all the time. Everyone thinks everyone's in a hurry, and, and there's no hurry. There's really right. no hurry. Right, right. It's, 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 it's fake. I don't answer my email anymore. You shouldn't. I don't. There's no reason to. I was like, you didn't answer your email. I go, I didn't just email even me again, see then. it. <laughs> well, I just <laughs> delete mine. Like, every... like, you didn't read it? I'm like, I did not. No. I shall not search for it either. Just send it again. Yes. You know, if you've managed to find me this quickly, it's really a funny reaction I get. The great thing about it, actually, is that what's cool is when you ignore your email, if it's important, someone will remind you again. If it's not, it'll just go away. Right? Yes, That's pretty much true. what I do. It's true. Yeah. It's, there's very true. few things that rise to the, like— Need to know now. Need, need to, know to respond now. It's now. interesting. All right. So you don't let you don't people respond in their time in a Whenever. message asynchronously. Yeah, asynchronously. Right. Primarily. Because Where did the ASAP culture come from? Just because these these apps and everything are so hello, hello, hello. Oh, it's all tied to. I mean, it all ties back to business model. I think so. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of fall back Go to right. BC, right? Go but right but ahead. basically, it's like. When companies raise a bunch of money, they're expected to grow really fast. And when you're expected to grow really fast, you're expected to go really fast. And when you're expected to go really fast, everything's just ASAP. That's just mm-hmm. the, the expectation. And mm-hmm. it all comes down to expectations. So, you know, we're used to texting in our in our daily life, which is fine with their friends and whatever. You don't expect an immediate response from your friend, really, necessarily. Mm-hmm. But at work, for some reason, it's expected because this is important. These people are waiting on you. And there's so many interdependencies at companies that if you take two hours, and everyone else has to wait two hours. And so that's another thing I think that's wrong in modern workplaces, that there's far too many interdependencies between departments and people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people should be able to slide by one another rather than grind their gears. So, for example, uh, at Basecamp, all of our teams are really small, three people or fewer. No two departments really depend on each other to get anything done. You never have to wait around for someone else to do something for you. Just figure mm-hmm. it out yourself or you don't do it at all. Mm-hmm. Like these autonomous example, small right. units. Right. 
For example, um, any programmer at Basecamp can ship software to the public. In a lot of companies, uh, and some people would say that's reckless. Okay, I'd say it's a trade-off. So it's, in many companies, like you, you, you submit your software, some other engineer looks at it, some other engineer looks at it, some operations person looks yeah, at it, yeah. it's scheduled for deployment. So there's all these things in the chain that have to happen on time, and everyone's waiting for each other to get something out. We just like we trust everybody who works for us. Everyone's really good, and they they get to the point where they can ship their own software, and it's just done. They can handle it themselves, and so mm-hmm. that just makes it easier. They don't have to ask someone else for their time. That other person we'll has to manage their time. Or yeah, funnel or whatever the heck. Yeah, there's so many roadblocks. Yeah, there's so many the gatekeepers and roadblocks. Just get mm-hmm. rid of them. Don't need them. Yeah, don't need them. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that some things don't go wrong. Sometimes it's just a matter of trade offs. Or how many things go wrong versus. And most things don't go wrong. Yeah, and mo- most things don't matter anyway. Anyway, you are correct, right? So, who, are, so if there's a problem, you deal with it and you yeah. fix it. But to think about prevent the, the cost of preventing every potential problem is so high mm-hmm. compared to just letting a few problems happen and then getting away with all these other things for free, which I much prefer. Right. Good. Point. Ask for uh, forgiveness. Not that one. Yeah. That permission. one. That one. Yeah, that one. That one. That's all right. One. We're here. This is <laughs> fascinating. We're here with Jason Fried. He's the founder and CEO of Basecamp. He's also the co-author of a new book. It doesn't have to be crazy at work. When we get back, we're going to talk more about these issues, and then we're going to lay into VCs, which will be really fun. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles, and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate, no coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. We're back with Jason Fried, the founder and CEO of Basecamp. He's the co-author of a new book called It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work. How did it get to be crazy? So one was like, the, the, is it tech or is it, what is it? It's just the... Tech. Tech's at fault. Okay. Explain and by the way, that. you know, like some of these things are good sometimes. Right. But, but Give me something good. <laughs> I mean, look, real-time communication, for example, is handy sometimes. Mm-hmm. When there's really like a crisis or whatever, right. you need to really hash something out, fine. It's just that when when you have to follow a dozen real-time conversations all day long, right. that's broken. Mm-hmm. That's just broken. That's like you have the fear of missing out. We, we have what we call JOMO, the joy of missing out at base <laughs> camp. We want people to miss out. I want you just to focus on your work. You don't need to pay attention to a million things that are going on at once, <laughs> right? not good anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so, like, you know, you look at, you, you walk around coffee shops or you look in offices and you see people have, like, a chat window open all day long mm-hmm. and their right eye is looking at that while they're mm-hmm. trying to do their work with their left eye and something yeah. else happens over here and they got to jump over here. Now they've stopped the flow and they're over here now responding to something one line at a time coming back. A new it's red. It's like being pecked to death. It's being pecked to death. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. And it's bonkers. But tech enables it. But also, I think the tech 
company mindset. Which has infected everybody else. Yes, it fertilizes it. Right. And then it, then it grows into this really horrible monster. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. So and everyone's trying to be a tech company. Like, yeah. everyone's trying to model themselves after Silicon Valley companies, which yeah. I think is just a terrible idea. All right. We'll go into that in a minute. So what is another <laughs> thing that happens? What do you mean? In the workplace. What is another things that makes it crazy? Yeah. Well, other things that make it crazy. I mean— um, Get rid of to stop being crazy. Yeah. Like, doesn't so— doesn't have to be crazy. Yeah. Um— one of the things that's really difficult, I think, for a lot of people is to work on something that never ends. So um, a lot of projects at companies, uh, don't they have deadlines, but no one believes them. We call them dreadlines. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you're a little crazy. It's fun, right? There's a deadline and there's a dreadline. You consulting for a lot more money than <laughs> No, you thank do. you. Okay. And no, I probably couldn't, you. by the way. You can make some money. <laughs> <laughs> um, no interest in that world. Um, used to do that. Not, not what it's I want to do. Free advice. Free advice is better. So anyway... Um, Deadlines, dreadlines, dreadlines are, are deadlines that no one believes that never seem to end. Projects keep going and people pile more work in and more work in and more work in. And it, it just drives everybody nuts. It's like, when's this going to ship? And then, oh my God, I thought it was going to ship Friday and it's not going to ship Friday. And they're going to, they want us to do more stuff. And now we got to stay the weekend. And like all this false urgency that piles up makes people really, really crazy at work. And so we have this thing at, at Basecamp where we only work on something if it can take six weeks or less. Mm-hmm. If it takes longer than six weeks, we don't do it. We break it into a chunk that's six weeks max. Mm-hmm. And um, that way, even if you hate what you're doing, it's almost over before you start it. Mm-hmm. And also, we don't plan. So this is, Yeah, this is another thing we don't do. We don't plan. Mm-hmm. We have no goals. We have no revenue targets, no financial goals, other than to be profitable. Mm-hmm. Um, and no growth goals, no user growth, no, none of that stuff. Um, and I, I think that's another thing that makes so, people crazy. So let's crazy. see how we do. Let's just do our best work. Right. Like, we're going to do our best. We should be doing our best work anyway. So let's just do that. Versus like making up some bullshit number, like let's do a whatever X million something this year. Like, and if you either hit it, great. Then if, if like, if you beat it, then it wasn't high enough. If you hit it, fine. Then you make up another one next year. And if you don't hit it, then you feel bad. Mm-hmm. Like why have put any of those pressures on you? Just like do the best work you can and you'll be fine. The problem is, though, is that expectations are so out of whack for so many people because you're often working for somebody else. You're not working for the company or for the, for the, for the customer. You're working for a billionaire who wants to get a little bit richer off you. Mm-hmm. And so growth, uh, multiples, valuations, all this stuff, that's what drives people crazy because they're aiming for that to move those numbers. Mm-hmm. And when you're, when you're you thinking— You don't mind measuring success, right? Like we did better this year than last year and this— I, I, you know, well, I mean, even I you know stop it's, doing something if you start really losing money. Like, yeah, yeah, why yeah. even be doing it? Like, I'm, unless I'm you not, really super enjoy it. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not encouraging people to like lose money or hemorrhage money, and mm-hmm. we we pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. But for example, if we didn't grow one year, uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. If we only grew three percent one year, whatever. Who cares? That's mm-hmm. fine. If we lose a percent, that's fine. Like it's mm-hmm. fine. It's not fine if we're down eighty percent. Like right, that's, that's not fine, I mean. right? right? But but that doesn't happen. I mean, it could certainly mm-hmm. and. To every company it will at some point. But as long as we're just moving in the right direction, as long as we're profitable, as long as we keep our costs in check, I'm fine. So we've been profitable every year for 20 years, and that's how long we've been in business. And that's the goal for us. If there is a goal, it's just remain profitable, which means that if we're profitable, we can stay as round as, as long as we want. And um, that's But you don't have that's goals of hegemony. You don't have any of those goals. No, right? absolutely not. Right. Completely against that. You have to remove that. the hegemony part. You have to. Right. And that's the other problem, I think, with with a lot of things in Silicon Valley and sort of the the the, the model that's sprung up there, which is which is world domination, which is um, you know uh, hegemony. It's it's having massive influence. It's dominating a market. It's owning the market. It's all these warlike bellicose terms. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's like, uh, you know, we're going to conquer this. We're going to take that. There's a talent war we're fighting. It's like all this war language. I don't, I don't get it. I think most of America does that. I don't know if you've noticed. Yes. <laughs> okay. But it's especially bad in tech, don't you think? Uh, politics is doing a pretty well, good yeah, job. Well, yeah, but at politics it. has kind of always done that. Right, yeah. This tech yeah. thing feels like— Some days I'd rather than just take up swords. I'm like, just take up swords. <laughs> just, just fight. See, see just who lives. fight and see who lives. <laughs> we know who would live. Not many of them. No. No. They'd no, all kill each other. They would. Which among the tech executives? I wonder. And tech executives? Well, Bezos looks pretty buff Bezos these days. Bezos would win. Looks buff. Again. Once yeah. again. Yeah, once again. I think Cook would win. I think he's very you crafty. Think so? Yeah. I think he's fast. Like he's, he's kind of sly. He's fit. Yeah, fast. slippery kind of. Yeah, yeah, he is. He does, he does. appear he fit. A, like no in the morning. Benioff would be hard to take down. He's a big, he's big a man. He's a big, big, well, big man. You know, That's actually maybe easier though. Big tree, hard Can't fall, move. they That's say. That's right. <laughs> go for the knees, go for the ankles. <laughs> can take Comes right over. Down. Yeah. Anyway, let's not talk about murdering tech executives. <laughs> um, so give me one or two more and then I want to talk about VCs in a second, in the next section. But we'll talk about a couple more. Crazy things. Yeah. Um, Another thing that bugs me uh, are, are specifically like tech benefits, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, war, benef- qu- benefits in quotes. Mm-hmm. So there's many companies out there that will like cook you dinner at night right. or do your dry cleaning. Like those right. are all— And they become expectations of pretty much everyone in tech. Yes. And th- they're, all those things are designed to do is keep you at the office longer. Right. That's crazy. They are. It's not about going home. It's yeah. about, well, don't go home. We'll make you dinner for free. Or we'll drive you to work and pick you up. But it's, a, you know, they, the shuttle leaves at 7 a.m. and drops you off at 7 p.m. But we'll take care of it for you. It's 12 right. hours. But don't worry. You know, we got you. That kind of stuff really bugs me. And I think that drives people crazy because it sort of there's an expectation again of, you know, you want to be a team player. Everyone else is staying late. The company's encouraging you to stay late. Hey, they're going to cook you dinner. Like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you stay? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. my teammates are going to be having dinner. So I got to stick around. It's crazy. It's, yeah. it's unnecessary. I was at a company today, and they're like, this is our workout area. I go, yeah, they really love you. Yeah. <laughs> right. And they're like, then you want to just keep us here. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Bingo. bingo. Thank you. That's it. They're <laughs> magnets. fine if you like working out. They're trap doors, all yeah. these things. Right. And, I mean, look, I'm Do you not even being serve a, bit a chocolate bar at base camp? <laughs> well, what we do is we provide things for people at home. So we, we do a CSA share, you know, farmer's market thing for mm-hmm. everybody at home so they can have fresh fruits and vegetables at home, oh, not at work. nice. We um, have like a, you know, massage benefit, but it's at home or it's it's at a massage not place. Not in the office. Yeah. Well, if you're like hovering over your, or like hunched over your keys and you get a 15-minute chair massage and you have to go back to hunching over your keys, that's not that relaxation. That's a fair point. So you go home and massage you, trap. Yeah, it's a massage trap. Wow. It's fake. It's all this oh, fakeness. I know it is. Of course it is. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So we do we do, you know, we do things like that. We send people away on vacations that we pay for. Mm-hmm. So not only do we of course encourage vacation time, but we pay for your vacation. So every year we put together a list of between 10 and 15 amazing trips around the world mm-hmm. and everyone gets a list and they get to pick and it's on us. It's about mm-hmm. five thousand bucks per employee. We we mm-hmm. spring for, and they can take their spouse. Which you saved partner. in kombucha, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a bargain, right? Kombucha is expensive. Yeah, it is kombucha, especially, especially on the tap. One, the ones home brewed by tiny, tiny, know, tiny leprechauns or something. That they yeah, do at Google. of course, of course, because <laughs> that's especially good. It's a, it has to it's be especially it has to good. Be. So yeah, we, we you know we we provide things that we say get out of the office, go home, have a real life, see the world, see some stuff. We also mm-hmm. will pay, like for example, if you want to be a uh, ceramicist or potter or whatever. Like, we'll pay for those lessons for you. They have nothing to do with work, but we'll pay for that to help you develop yourself outside of work. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be—you don't have to learn your trade. Like, right. You can learn other things, and we'll support you, too. So that's our take on benefits um, versus the, the take, which is, like, stay at the office longer. Stay at the office longer. Yeah. Are there any benefits you like among these the tech companies? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, certainly. I think, um, you know, 
Some of the I some of the healthcare ones are great. Healthcare is fantastic. I also think that like the tech world does take a lead is taking a lead now in things like maternity and paternity leave. Yes, because in the yeah. United States, there's zero. It's ridiculous. Right. Yes, I, I was married to a Google executive, and I have to tell you the comparison between mine. My work was like, when are you getting back? Like, yeah, didn't you just have a? I had a cesarean. They're like, fifteen Jeez. minutes. Will that work for you? And I was God. like, well, I'm bleeding, but yeah. all right. <laughs> Can and, still type. And, and yeah. Google showed up literally with like. A month of free food yeah. at home, nurses in in and out the door, a basket of diapers. They all had Google on the ass, but it was fine. <laughs> of I course, was, they, was, were they branded diapers? Really? They were branded diapers. Were they really? They had something in there. Yeah, that they had just like shows. branded shit. You know, but it was fun. They were good. Yeah, let, let me tell fun. you, yeah. it was fantastic swag, and there yeah. was nothing wrong with it. And I don't care. My That's kid cool. Where's a Google <laughs> onesie? I don't care. Those benefits, I think, are. Um, it was astonishing. Those are good. Those it was are great. caring. It was really actually yeah. well done. Yeah, and so I think I think that they're they're doing really well there, mm-hmm. um, and some healthcare stuff, and certainly like there's some other things, but I think a lot of these things are subversive. Um, Haircuts. Yeah, it's just don't leave, don't leave. Mm-hmm. Like this is like the the dream of the of, of utopia where like everything you need is under one roof. Mm-hmm. Like, well, no, everything you need is not it's under a one college roof. campus. It's that style. Well, it's a juvenilization of people, and I think that's yes. what's happened in a lot of. These companies, which is which led directly some of the other problems, is it's a constant juvenile coddling of mostly men, and it's it is eternal college campus. You don't have to pay for. It. In fact, you get paid. Yeah. But then you don't have time to spend the money you made, except right. on stupid shit. Yeah, like at the Thank at the you. company bookstores. Right. Yeah, I agree. No, I mean, planes. I'm thinking private planes. Oh, those things. Yeah. yeah. If you. Yeah. Sure. And then they go off the deep end on the other side when they start to slow down. They just they just disengage. Cut everything. They just disengage and then like go to Fiji on right. for the weekend. Yeah, but that's that just doesn't last very long. You mean talking about like people sell their companies? Yeah, and like go, then it yeah. gets then it then they just don't want to work at all, which yeah. I think works kind of fun for a while. And then yeah. they they always right. get back to it. Which so, is, by the way, so, one thing I think is important here. I would okay. want to mention. Okay. I don't understand serial entrepreneurship. <laughs> don't understand that. <laughs> I'm proudly a non-serial entrepreneur. Okay, I, I, I have, you have one I've good been idea struck by lightning. And I'm stuck with sticking yeah, with it. Yeah, why would I not? Right, like right. this idea that because I've I've known a lot of these these people who who've, who've built the great business, they've sold the thing, and they're miserable, and they they're looking for the good old days again, mm-hmm. and they'll never get them back because right. it's very hard to have one, one hit, hit wonders. Yeah, I'm okay being a one hit wonder mm-hmm. perfectly as long as I don't lose the hit. Like right. if the, if you have a hit and you sell the hit and you have to make more music for the rest of your life and you can't, that right. sucks. Right. So I'm perfectly comfortable doing one great thing, hopefully my whole life, and that's great for me. But it's, it's weird, again, like in, that, in Silicon Valley, you're expected to come, you know, come in for a while, do something and, and sell it or whatever, and do something else and sell it and do something else and sell it. Yeah. I don't get that at it's all. It's always diminishing returns, but nicer offices. Each time? Yes. Yeah. I was just Perhaps. in an office of someone of this Who's person. Who's done that before? And I, the office was spectacular. Yeah. Just spectacular. And I was like, no, you're really not going to be successful. No, you're now not, you're screwed. You're fr- when I, that's always a sign for me. I'm like, mm-mm. Nice furniture. But out. I enjoyed being there. It was lovely. It's good for you. It was very soft. Everything was soft. <laughs> soft it was edges, cashmere. round. Oh, was, cashmere chairs and stuff felt too? Cashmere. The whole place was cashmere. Mm, and it was very soft and spare and beautiful. Very Marie Kondo and at the same oh, time. Oh, yeah. Anyway, okay, one more and then I'm I give them two years and they're done. No, that's <laughs> it. doing anything. Just sitting there. <laughs> right. That's that too. Just sitting there. That too. That's what they were doing. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. And they yeah. were like, want to have time to talk? I go, no, I have no time to talk. If you have no information for me, I must Nothing leave. Nothing to say. Yeah. Right. So last one. Last yeah. one. Crazy Crazy. Thing? Oh, gosh. I'm not sure what I've gone through 50 essays of these, right? Yeah, we have like 88 of them. Right. Um, 
I think one thing, too, is, is this, this um, following of the herd when it comes to work methods. A book comes out or this company has done this one thing this one way, and so everybody just thinks, like, this is best practices. Like, best practices are crazy. That, you know, this, they point to one example. They don't have any idea why the thing was actually successful, but they go, well, they do it this way, so we're going to do it this way. And there's this herd mentality, and people are focusing on the wrong things and paying so much attention to what they call best practices. And I think oftentimes they're really terrible practices. This idea that if you're a small business, let's say you're starting out and you've got five people, six people, that you're going to do what Apple does. No, Apple's got, what, 20,000 people or whatever? It's good for Apple. Different world entirely. Mm -hmm. And I think this also comes down to who you pay attention to in terms of advice. So advice has a shelf life. Mm -hmm. And for example, I haven't started a business in 20 years. Don't ask me how to start one because I I don't know. It wouldn't be fair of me to say how to start a business. It's been too long. I can tell you how to run one. I can tell you how to hire. I can tell you how to make products. I can tell you how that stuff. But there's this idolization of some of these, these people who who started businesses a long time ago, and they just want to, like, all, everyone knew wants to be like those people. And I mm-hmm. think that that's kind of crazy, too. It drives yeah. people insane. Yes. Um, also, I think this this um, this obsession with lack of sleep and how it's a badge of honor that, like, hey, I only get six hours, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Like, this is just stupid, flat-out stupid, literally. Actually, right. like, diminishes your IQ, and so I'm assuming bad news. food hacking is not your favorite thing. Hacking anything is stupid. Intermittent fasting? Are you intermittent fasting? I, I do. I there do is interesting time. <laughs> I don't do intermittent fasting, but I do, um, let's call it time-restricted eating. How's right. that? Yeah, um, yeah. I don't believe in hacking anything. There's no right. such thing as a hack. Yeah. Like, that, that whole... That whole term is crazy to begin with. Um, everyone's looking for shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. Yeah. There are no shortcuts. The thing is, is that, like, doing well, you don't have to go the long route anyway. Right. Like, it, it, if you make things harder than yourself, harder than yourself, then you have to look for shortcuts. If you just do the simple thing and don't get carried away, everything's kind of shortcutty in right. that sense, if right. that makes any sense. That's a fair point. Yeah. I don't I mean to insult. Some of no, the no. food stuff is actually interesting. I do agree. The part I do that. that it's, I do the it's time. The, it's the never going to die. Well, it's the Soylent shit. Like, so, that, come on. I One of the people there, I was like, they were talking about living longer. I'm like, look, let me give you a pro tip. You're going to die. You're going to die, and you're you want to die. You can die healthy. That's better yeah. than dying not healthy. Yeah. So um, actually, for that. Totally. I saw, um, I don't know if you watched the um, George Bush eulogy. Bush eulogizing yes. his father. Yes. I thought he said something really interesting. Which, which said was? like, He said, um, my dad, I think he said, my dad always said that you want to die young as late as possible. Oh. And I thought that was a, a great one. line, actually. Oh, that is good And that's one. kind of a nice, sweet way of thinking about it versus like— How did George Bush Jr. become not an idiot? It's like— Because he's not president anymore. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like you kind of look back fondly on, on people. Didn't we just like him or I think know. he's an idiot? Anyway, it's all uh, when we get back, we're talking with, having a great time talking to Jason Fried, the founder and CEO of the company Basecamp. He's also the co-author of the new book, It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work. When we get back, we're going to talk about VCs. Last week, Kanye West accused one of the biggest Twitch streamers of being an industry plant. It's an idea that comes up so often on platforms like TikTok and elsewhere. You see people who have blown up seemingly overnight, and the question is, who's behind them, right? That's what everyone wants to know. Tipping the scales and pulling the lever to make them seemingly the next it thing on the internet. This week on Power User, is it even possible to create an industry plant on the internet? And if so, how? I'm here with Jason Fried, the founder and CEO of Basecamp. He's the co-author of a new book called It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work. Some workplaces are crazy, and they have to be crazy. They just they, they celebrate crazy in a lot they of ways. Ce- they don't have to be, but they celebrate so it. So where does this come from? And the answer definitely should be VCs. We talk about <laughs> you talk about your VC. It's a big part of it. Right. Here's the problem I have with VCs. All right. um, specifically around— One. 
period. Just one problem? No, no one I'm saying BC. one. And then let's oh, get one. One up, up to one. 30. We'll Number go through one. 30. Right. So one of them is... The shoes. Go ahead. No, the shoes. <laughs> the problem I have is, is that a lot of people take money too early. That's mm-hmm. the main thing. And I think VCs prey on that situation where people don't have anything and they're desperate. So, so they, they go try to raise a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. The problem with raising money early on is that you get good at spending money. You don't get good at making money. Right. And the things you do over and over and over, the things you practice, are the things you get better at. So if you have a bunch of money in the bank, you're encouraged to spend it because no one ever, well, I shouldn't say no one, but hardly anyone ever goes for one round. Mm-hmm. It's round A, round B. It's like, you know, go back to the drug yeah, they dealer. they feel like they have to, and, and especially when others are getting it. It, you, it preys on your insecurity. But more so, they're encouraged to spend it. It cannot sit. It has to be spent. Mm-hmm. And so what do you get good at? You get good at spending money. And when you get good at spending money, and you know there's more to spend, you don't think about costs, you don't think about being smart about your money, you don't think about what you're really spending it on, you don't really care if it's wasted because there's more of it. There's an endless supply and it wasn't yours in the beginning, in the first place, so right. who cares? Free money. So OPM. by the time you finally need to actually make money, you don't have any skills. You don't know how to make money because all you know how to do is spend it. It's like if you were to go on stage for the first time and play guitar and be expected to play guitar, everybody in the world would, would go, you're not good, you're not gonna be good at playing guitar. Everyone would know the first time you're gonna suck. So these people start these businesses, they raise a bunch of money, they, they, they lose money for years and years and years, and then some, at some point they're expected maybe to make money. And we expect it by that time, since they've been in business for nine years, they'll be good at it. No, they won't because they haven't practiced, just like that guitarist for mm-hmm. the first time. And so I think that VCs and raising a bunch of money and, and raising way more than you need, it ends up stunting people's actual growth as businesses. It like destroys businesses. Yeah. Rich kids that have been overfed. It's like, look, you know, you plant a seed, it needs some water. But if you just pour a whole fucking bucket of water on, it's going to kill it. Like, you you can't, like, that's too much money, too fast, well, too early. How do people resist that, though? Because there is, like, right now, for example, SoftBank is, like, throwing, like, well, maybe not so much, given it's yeah, coming from right. Saudis. They're throwing a lot of money. And I know I've talked to a lot of these startups, and when they have a great business and it's going well, and yeah. they, they, they seem to be building it to some profitability, a lot more startups lately, I've noticed, are much more interested in making money. Like, all the entrepreneurs I talk to yeah. versus anything else. It's a really interesting shift. Yeah. Um, Why do you think that's happened? I, I just... It's this idea of intentional growth. They don't want. They are tired of it. They're they want to. They're like just a second. I want to make something great, and I want to make it on my time. And they don't want to be forced to sell or do something. I, there's something going on. There's definitely like a yeah. just a second here. There's a little bit. It feels like it. Hopefully, I'm not sure what's happening, but I definitely have heard it more and more. And I don't think it's just bullshit. Are they doing it? That's the yes, question. Several of yeah. them. Yeah, great. I have good examples of great. it. This idea great, of intentional great. growth is the kind of thing. Well, I'm more curious about profit. Right, like, and they're, but they're interested in, like, I don't want to make something unless it makes money. Good. Like, like that's the kind of, yeah. it, and you, it, I haven't heard it in Takes a home money is the key. Right. I just want to, it's a nuance Take, here. Right. Take, I, I mean, like. It's profitable. Yes, because the only thing ever discussed in this industry right. are revenues. Right, no, they're talking about yeah. profitable. Great. Profitable. Great. And not Good just cash flow. Pro- yeah, pos- real, real, real profitable. Profit, real yes. profitable, right, exactly. Um, Great, and so it's, interest- it's an interesting trend. Anyway, yeah. I think what happens, though, when you say you have SoftBank giving someone 300, we're going to give you $300 million or your competitor? Go it ahead. does. Our competitors are flush with billions. Right. But I'm just saying care. that's, I think, it, but it does play into human nature. Like, come on, it doesn't, it's hard to resist something like that. It's harder. It depends. I mean, yeah, it is harder. It is harder. Right. But so what? I mean, like, that's make or break for your business. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you take that money, you're not going to run the business you wish to run if you wanted to grow intentionally, let's say. Right. All of a sudden, you're building 
a business, you're, you're a division of SoftBank and they're going to run your show. Right. That's basically, they, they want their return. And that's, right. So I think if you don't think about the implications of taking that kind of money, you're, you're foolish. Right. Now, you might decide that it's worth the implication. It's worth it and you right. want to do that because you want to feed the ego usually. It's usually ego-based. Right. Um, you want to grow big. You want to have power. I totally get all that. That is a human thing for sure mm-hmm. in, in all realms. But I've just never been interested in that. I, I think that um, venture capital money kills more businesses than it helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of businesses could be great $10 million, $20 million businesses, but they're not allowed to be. Mm-hmm. You've got to be $200 million or $500 million or a billion. Right. And, and when you're 100, they want you to get to a billion. Yes. And 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 you can't stop because, like, you've already signed the deal and, like, it's mm-hmm. just or, – or, like, they'll they'll forget about you, whatever it is. Like, you've got to go huge. Mm-hmm. And so few companies are huge. There's, like – just look at the math. Look, do the numbers. There's basically no huge companies. If you really look at all the companies, they're outliers, extreme outliers. Mm-hmm. And I think, hopefully, more entrepreneurs are seeing that one of the reasons you get into entrepreneurship is to, is to like, control your own destiny to some degree. Right, right. To not have to go work for somebody else. To not have to collect a paycheck from somebody else. And so um, the thing is, when you go take money, you're, you're working for someone else again instantly. So I think people yes. are beginning to realize that, like, if you really want to work for yourself— that you need to stay independent. Independence is such a beautiful thing. It's harder it to resist, but it's not harder to do. For example— Every business has competitors, everyone, right? Right. The market is so big, and I'm not going to do this. If you get one billion, one percent of the one, that's that. I hate that thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you know that. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm not talking about that. For example, Basecamp. We have around it. We have around down. We have over a hundred thousand paying customers who pay us every month mm-hmm. for Basecamp. Okay. To some people. If they took money, that wouldn't be enough. Right. We generate tens of millions of dollars in annual profits every year. Okay. Tens of millions in annual profits. So more more revenue than that. But for many, that wouldn't be enough. If we would have taken three hundred million dollars, like that's don't make profits. Pour all that back into the business and grow as fast as you can. But the way I look at it is like we have the kind of business that we want to run. We want to run it our own way. We're taking home lots of money every year. We're paying our employees incredibly well. We pay them top 10% salaries in the industry, San Francisco rates, even though we're not based in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. We have amazing benefits. We have all these things because we're independent. And we can do things that don't make sense from a investor standpoint that would say it's not worth it to spend 5,000 bucks per person to send them on vacation. It's not worth – I don't care. Like, I don't want to have to answer to that. I want right. to answer to myself. That's right. why I got into so, business. So you think VCs create that mode? It's like they, they go, 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 go. Of course. Right. Because, look, and they, they have to. They have to get big, huge returns from at least a few people, per, a few one company per fund or mm-hmm. whatever it is, which is so funny to me. Like, these are supposed to be really brilliant financial people, yet they're, what, what their hit rate is like 1%, 2%, yeah. 3%. Yeah. And they admit it. Like, we, we're going to get one out of 100 right. Yeah. And you're like, you know, you're begging to work with these people? I couldn't agree more. I, I was just like, government employees get it right. Long. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was yeah. really interesting because there is this, it's interesting though what's happening around VCs, the idea of like, especially because there's also discrimination and how they fund and like, yes. you know, the decisions they make and how they pattern match. And I was telling a story about someone who, um, one of them was like, you know, if there was only a Marsha Zuckerberg, we would fund more <laughs> women. I'm like, can all women suck? Yeah. Like, like, let's yeah. just go on the premise. This, these numbers, and women suck that much more than men, and people of color suck that much more than women and men, like right. uh, white women and men. And like, it was, it was. I was like, it can't be. Yeah. It, can't, it just yeah. something's wrong with your decision making that you don't even maybe you don't even realize you're doing it willfully or not willfully. People tend to 
pattern match. Yeah, and and they pattern match, but they also they they invest in who they know and right. They, I, that's just that's kind of how it is. It's unfortunate. I get and luckily, it. there's like a new. But what's world. another system? What's the other system then? Well, just I think making something that makes money. Well, yeah. First of all, just like right. like every other business on the whole right, fucking planet. Right, right. The guy down. <laughs> like, the guy, the guy down the there in the grocery guy. store. Yeah, yeah, the falafel guy. Right. He doesn't. He doesn't like. He, he if you were if you. <laughs> He's not going up to his friends and going, I'm going to sell a fucking million falafel. I'm going to lose a buck on each one, but I'm going to sell a million of them and become huge. And that's not how it works. He's like, right. I've got bills to pay. I've got to support my family and my kids. I've got to make more money than I spend. Basic fundamental economics, like every business on the street, every business in the world, mm-hmm. except for a handful of outliers in the t- primarily in the tech world. There's some biotechs as, as well. There's other businesses that are high-flying, risk-taking businesses. Here's the thing that blows my mind about Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley has taken the highest margin product you could ever have, which is software, mm-hmm. and turn it into low, the lowest margin, negative margin business model mm-hmm. ever. Like, mm-hmm. you're taking the most profitable which thing ever. doesn't cost anything else every the next one. And, and, and you're losing money. These companies are losing billions of dollars. What the fuck is going on? Well, How think, is that possible, I actually? Wall Street lets them. I mean, I had an yes. interesting discussion today about someone was talking about Amazon, you know, which everyone is the beloved company right now, obviously. Yeah. Not AWS. For long. Yeah. Well, that's what they were. They were like very smart at first, smart analysis, I've heard. Like, and I was like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. They're absolutely like AWS will be commoditized and then they're going to have to pay for the delivery service. And then they're, they can't keep it. Like, you know, and no matter what you do, food is a zero, like a, is a, is a low, low margin business. And so what are they going to do to make money? They're going to have to charge higher prices. Well, as long as Wall Street enables that's right. that. Yes. That's right. Yes. So it doesn't matter if Wall Street enables it. And one of the things that uh, I was like, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's exactly where it's going. It, until, But one of the things that was interesting with Amazon is for years, Wall Street let them do it forever until they got to AWS, which was a good business. Now it's right? a great business, yeah, right? independently. But, right, but maybe not, like going, if you if you pause it forward, you know what I mean? Like, so they were saying there was going to be a lot more competitors. There is, but there's that kind of, yes, I agree with that, except that that scale requires a huge company. So there's basically, there's Google, right, there's Microsoft, that's what and they, Amazon. They were saying, they were saying there's going to be, there's going to be, three mu- of them. there's going to be price competition that's going to make it harder and harder to make as, quite as much money unless they all like, there is, right? well, they'll probably, it, it was yeah. just interesting. And because I do remember there used to be, do you remember there was like a zillion storage companies? Yeah, oh, for sure. And then there were. And hosting company, website and hosting, hosting company. And everyone yeah. said they would be for, this is something everyone needs. And then it was yeah. like, not at all. Like it was, I'm, I, first time I was like, oh, that's an interesting analysis. Yeah. Like what if that business went away? We'd be back to. I mean, AWS and and Azure and Google Web Service, whatever mm-hmm. they're called. I think I might be getting the names wrong, but anyway, um, they're a different tier. Mm-hmm. But there there will be other cloud, and there are other mm-hmm. cloud service providers mm-hmm. where you don't need that level of capacity. Like if right. you're not the United States government, you don't need to like spin up a thousand machines in a second, right? Right. Um, so so there's some businesses that will be able to exist at, at a lower tier, which will provide more competitive now or competitive prices, perhaps. But although. AWS's prices are quite good. They're amazing yes. prices, but just the services and 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 the slice of the of the of the of the customer service because like their customer service is terrible. Mm-hmm. A lot of these big companies they don't know how to provide customer service right. on the technology side right. at all. So like you'll need someone else will, will cater to that, and you'll have different like you know little little small niches pop up. But 
the thing is with, with web hosting and storage, that was a real true commodity. Mm-hmm. What AWS has and, and Microsoft and, and, and Google have, they actually have technology that's not in a commodity yet. It's like— Right. They were pausing out a long time. It was yeah, just yeah, an way, interesting— way I was, like, interested that someone would actually go against the grain, like against sure. the normal grain. I love that. Which I mean, was great. So, so how do you build better companies? How, do you yeah. think there'll be a shift that people will— or have the Google, Google which pioneered the free crap. Yes. Um, they were, like, the king of free crap. Yeah. Um, well, because they they made money on advertising. Although, you know, Amazon actually, you pay for food there, I think. I'm pretty sure. Amazon? They don't give free food. Neither does Microsoft. Right. You pay I, for it. I was at you Microsoft. Should. I was like, I have to pay for this? <laughs> to pay for this taco? And what? Apple you have to pay for, Yeah. which is interesting. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, they don't give out free food. No. They absolutely, it's, it's beautiful. It's 99 cents, though. It's per, per, it's per cheap, food app. But it's cheap, yeah. but it's still pretty cheap. Yeah. It's still paid for. It was, it's a different thing. It should be. It and should there's be. not a lot of free stuff around that company, no. which is interesting. Talk about what, how does it change? How do you stop being, how do you stop the infection of Silicon Valley values and keeping some of the good killing itself. Like any virus, it right. kills itself. It kills the host. <laughs> and the host is the economy, and the host is like people's people's trust, and it's killing itself. So I'm just let it kill itself. Uh-huh. It's happening before our eyes. Right. Um, I think what's interesting well, some is— some of it isn't due to the culture. It's due to, like, some products that aren't working. Well, there's that, too. Right. Yes. But trust specifically is being eroded very rapidly. It is. Um, and the fact that these businesses are manipulative, that they they build addictive products and they have extreme amounts of centralized power, like that combination of power, manipulation, and addiction, mm-hmm. dangerous. Mm-hmm. And people are beginning to realize that. Yes, 100%. So, and actually what's kind of interesting is if you think about the cigarette business way back when. Like addiction, power, and... Sorry, centralized control. Centralized control, yeah. I think, yeah, I think well, manipulation, I don't know, I... Just made them up, but manipulation, right. power, uh, addiction, uh, centralized, uh, strong centralized control. Anyway, um, think about the, the cigarette industry, um, which is, of course is, is a shadow of itself, mm-hmm. um, at least in the United States. What people got pissed off about was that Philip Morris knew cigarettes were dangerous, but they didn't tell anybody. They, mm-hmm. withh- they knew the yes, science they and they withheld it. it, right? That's what people were really pissed about. It wasn't that people chose to smoke and that these cigarettes were addictive. It's that someone knew they were addictive and didn't tell you. But and then they used culture to get you to smoke and move advertising. And advertising. Yeah. Right. But I think it was the secret that they knew that really pissed people off. And I think what's very interesting is if you look at social media right now, let's take Apple, for example, which is not social media, but the phone, right? Actually, both iOS and Android have a screen time style yes. component. To me, in many ways, this is these companies recognizing how dangerous this, these behaviors yes. are and saying, we don't want to be Philip Morris. We know this shit's bad. We want to help you control, try to control this from the start so you don't hold us responsible 20 years down the road when we realize that 150 dopamine hits a day to your brain has caused brain damage or mm-hmm. has caused who knows what is, it's going to mm-hmm. cause in 30 years. Right. So it's very interesting that they're, I think, ahead of this curve. They're pretty much ahead of this curve compared to traditional uh, addictive mm-hmm. industries. Um, but to get back, uh, that was an aside, to get back to your point, so first of all, you can bootstrap, which is, or you can take a business, start a side business from that business. That's what we did. We were a consulting mm-hmm. company, built the software on the side, didn't have any expectations for it. Turned out it was doing better than our consulting business about a year and a half, two years later. So we ditched consulting and been doing software ever since. So we funded ourselves in that respect. But there's a new wave of, of um, I wouldn't call it VCs because mm-hmm. they're not venture capitalists so much, but they are people who can provide bootstrap funding, let's call it. You've got Indie.VC, you've got uh, Tiny Seed, you've got Earnest Capital, there's a number of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are coming out and coming around to give people like 150 grand for six months or for a year, basically saying, 
you're running a side business right now. If we could give you a full year's salary, essentially, to dedicate yourself for a year, um, let's see what you can do with that. And then taking a small piece of the company, very, like uh, a few percent. And that to me is interesting. That's not the million billion right. valuation thing. That's like, can you turn a bootstrap company into something? We'll take, as, as, a, as a funder, we would take, div- I'm not saying we, but like one mm-hmm. of these people funding, mm-hmm. would take dividends. So mm-hmm. there'd be an LLC, for example, and we'll take dividends. So if you have 150,000 bucks left over at the end of the year and we own 5%, we get 5% of that as a dividend. Right. We're going to make our money back on dividends, not on the big, huge, massive hits. Maybe there's going to be one or two that turns out to be a big thing. But for the most part, we want to help you grow your company, maintain control of your company, and we'll take dividends as a, as a form of repayment, which is in fact, so... Um, Jeff Bezos, we have no investors. Jeff Bezos did buy a piece of our company in 2006. Mm-hmm. That's right. He bought it from me and David. Mm-hmm. So none of his money ever went into our business. It went mm-hmm. to me and David to put right. money in the bank. We're an LLC. So people always ask us, like, how does Jeff get his money back? You guys have said you're never going to sell your business. So you don't want to acquire anyone. You don't want to be acquired. You don't want to go IPO. Like, how's he going to get out? Well, he's getting out every year. Because he's, we're, we're very profitable, and, and he gets a slice of that money every right. year, right. Um, a nice slice of money right. every year, and he's been in uh, eight, 12 years now. Why did he go into it? To invest in us? Yeah, or, um, he just liked it. I, it's just like him. I can see him. He just liked what we were doing. We were yeah. doing something very different back then. And, um, oh, I could see him. And he was into it. Um, I can see him back then doing that, too. Yeah. yeah. He, I don't know if he does that much anymore. He probably he only makes big, huge bets now. But No. no? I don't think That's so. Cool. I haven't so, talked to him in a few years. Yeah. But, so he makes money on the dividends, and that's a wonderful method of actually making money off of investing in companies is, is making it slowly just like the company makes it slowly mm-hmm. and being invested along with the company. When they make money, you make money. Right. You get a, a piece. Yeah, and that, that, that's fair. So I like that model, and there's, there's right. a number of them pro- yeah. uh, bubbling up right now. We're actually going to be supporting some of them. Mm-hmm. So we're going to put a little bit of money into so a few different funds. So they become LLCs, and then they're distributed money, yes. just distributed profits. Yeah. Yeah. Depending. And then some of it you put back in the business, presumably. So. It's up to you. I mean, it's all LLC, all the no, profits but, tax at a personal right, level. So if right. you want to throw some back in, right. of course, you can do that. Right. But you're operating, you're covering your costs, so it doesn't really matter. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. right. Which is which is antithetical to Silicon Valley, which is drive it back in and keep yeah, going. But that's the other thing I don't understand, right. which is this idea that you just keep pouring it in as if it might be there, as right. if it's going to be there later. Like, I am not a fan of deferred living. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what that is. Basically, right. let's throw it all in and, you know, one day we'll be huge and we'll sell it and we'll get rich. But, like, what if you don't? Most, right. Mostly you will not. Right. So why not take a piece as you go? Every year. Right. Take a piece out as well, you go. Because people think it's like gambling. They think they're going to miss the big hit if they, right. like, I didn't, I didn't get Google at this price. This It's so, it's so gambling. You know right? how it goes. Totally. Let me finish on the, one of the things you did. Sure. Finish up on the last thing that you talked about. When you were talking about this idea of cycle of addiction, one person in charge, you know, a centralized thing. Yeah. And, uh. The third one was, I'm sorry, addiction. Let's see, manipulation, manipulation, addiction, and control. Where does that go? Because I, I agree with you. It's fa- What's really fascinating about lives company, and I'll use Facebook as an example, is there's centralized control, mm-hmm. Mark. Yep. There's addiction that Clearly. they know about. Clearly. And they've done it, and they have all these people getting to push that red button. And it's a manipulation. You know, it's you're being manipulated almost constantly, yeah. and they're not acknowledging that either. And in fact— when you point it out or they have problems, they always move into the we mode. Well, together we'll solve it. And like, together we didn't make the billions. Right, to- exactly. Together I can't fire you. Together we, this yeah. is not a together thing. And what's re- that's what's really, that to me is the most irritating we-ness of it. And they I'm deflect. Like, where's the we? What you mean we? Like it's, kind of thing. Uh, it's, it's, it's really weird. It's really weird because I feel like they're, these companies... Not all of them, but let's take Facebook. I mean, they're easy to beat on right now. Um, um, Deserved. Deserved, absolutely deserved. 
they're very they're not equipped right? to you know handle they're very this. victim-y right now? Oh, my God. Very what to you? Victim-y. Like, oh, oh of course. really— Which is ridiculous. I, I literally was like, you've never been unsafe a day in your right. privileged— right. Clearly. Ridiculous life. Clearly. Like, it's so funny, though. Victimy like crazy. That, well, that's kind of the defensive posture. When you're being picked on, you right. go there. Right. Even if you're a bully, right. which they are, right. then you go there right. and you, you look for sympathy. This is right. a natural—this is right. human behavior. And it but comes from the top. It 100% of course, comes from the top. Everything does there, right. of course. But I think that they're not really equipped to handle what they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're incompetent to the task. Yeah. Yeah, they— I don't know if anyone can solve the problem I other than government. Agree. I don't think it can be. I don't think it's right. a problem that companies can solve. I mm-hmm. think this is a runaway train. Mm-hmm. This is society. This is humanity. This is just kind of where we're at. And um, I think you, you have to look to you know what's going on in Europe, perhaps as a, as a model for what mm-hmm. might might happen here at some point. Because I don't see any other thing other than like people striking in mass and saying like. We're, we can't handle this Instagram anymore because it's it's we can't look at photos like that's not going to happen because right. people are addicted. Right, it's addictive. So you're, mm. you're not going to stand up and say that. Right. So it's going to have to be a bigger power than them, and right. the only bigger power is government, and which is also incompetent to which, the test. I, totally, but they and, haven't always been. They they managed to step into AT and T. They've managed to step into Microsoft. They have eventually managed to step. They, in. but they they understood the telephone. I feel like I'm not sure they understand what's going on. So, but but at some point, what like makes you think that those <laughs> hearings. Right, all right. Gosh. But Can I think you that, help me with my Facebook, Mr. Zuckerberg? I was, scared. I was like, what? What? That's what we're, that's leadership, though. <laughs> I literally almost reached the screen and was like, I'm going to have to. There's generational something. turnover, though. I, I mean, guess, it's going to yeah. happen. It's yeah. going to happen. And at yeah. some point, right. people are, I also so. do think there's going to be fatigue. Mm-hmm. And there already is fatigue, mm-hmm. but that's not going to be enough to turn the tide. But there mm-hmm. is enough of it now where, you know, like, for example, five years ago, everybody would give. Facebook the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Maybe five, six, whatever. Like, Facebook's great. Facebook's great. Facebook, now nobody gives them the benefit. So, like, yeah. things have turned, and they'll continue to turn. And um, some people will leave, and some people will make, make some noise, but I think it's government in the end, unfortunately. Well, yeah. It's interesting, though, that now everyone gives Microsoft the benefit of the doubt, like, because they like what he's done there. And yeah. He's he has done a nice he's, job. Talk about calming a company down. Yes. It's, it's, it appears calmer from the outside, although— um, I don't know if that's true internally. They've had a long history of yeah. working insane hours. Yes, and they, they actually do. ran an ad campaign, which we railed against a few years ago, where they where they promote that you can work. Like they had this ad where someone was working like in the in the, in the stands watching their, their kids' baseball games. Like you can answer emails while watching your kids' baseball game. Oh, yeah, game. well, they're selling stuff. What yes. the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah, but like that is so perverted and broken and wrong, you know. But anyway, um, I, I think they also have the benefit of the doubt because the, the focus and the attention is, is elsewhere right now. Right. And they've kind of taken a fall, and they missed out, and so now, like they're the they're the darlings again, kind of like George W. Bush. Right, that's true. <laughs> Similar oh my thing. Goodness, I'm not even going to get into Uber right now. But anyway, oh Jason, this was yeah. fantastic. I'm going to have you back again and this again because this is really fun. Thanks, you all, for listening. His book is called "It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work," um, but he's I read. I remember reading Rework. Rework. It was a fantastic Thank book. You. It's a really good book, and Basecamp's a really great product. You're right. There's a million of them, and actually, we've been around. You've been around the block. Yeah, we're yeah. still around. You're oldie but goody kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Really oldie in 2014 years. Yeah, I mean, we have brand new versions every few yes, years. Yes, I know that. But the thing is, is that like, we want to keep the good old days rolling. Yeah. 
That's the thing. They like everyone good. likes to look at the, and they go, ah, I wish we were smaller again. We're just going to keep yeah. it small then. Yeah. Just keep, good. Keep it that way. Jason, I like it. It was great talking to you. A breath of fresh air. Thanks for coming on the show. And thanks to you all for listening. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please tell a friend about this show. You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher, which is my addiction, Jason. I'm sorry, but I have a good <laughs> I'm time. I'm on Twitter too. Do you know what? I have a good time. Twitter's fun. I enjoy it. I literally laugh. Like the, the whole hamburger thing last night made yeah. me laughing. I didn't watch cable television. Yeah. I was thrilled with totally. the funny. I feel like you, with Twitter you can kind of go in the room and then leave the room. Yes, exactly. And I'm just, just saying, where can people follow you online or wherever? wherever. Uh, the only place I'm on is Twitter as well, so at Jason Freed, F-R-I-E-D. Okay. Right. Um, that's it. And I'm then Baseline is Basecamp. Basecamp you can find online. Now that you're done with this, go check out our other podcast, Recode Media and Pivot. You can find those shows wherever you found this one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Saturday. Tune in then.